0: I love me some sweet corn. Anybody here here, uh, love sweet corn too? Okay, good. Look at that. That same thing happened in the first celebration. I'll say, how many of you love Jesus? You're like, "Uh, sweet corn, two hands, man. You know what I mean? Um, Just joking. Uh, Winter, spring, summer, fall, it really doesn't matter. I love me some sweet corn. And a couple of years ago, my wife, Jennifer, uh, got 12 dozen uh, ears of corn, 72 ears in all. And she took them all, she shucked them and cleaned them and, you know, uh, cooked them, got everything ready. And uh, we were just so excited because we were going to have corn on the cob that night. And she went ahead and she uh, got the rest of it, you know, cut it all off, got it frozen. So we'd have sweet corn for the entire year. And that night we got the, you know, the corn on the cob out. And my wife was uh, all excited because she had done this. And we're getting ready to eat, you know, some some of this corn. And she's like, now, hey, I got this at a different place this time. And uh, I want you to tell me the truth of how you think it tastes. Now, every husband knows that when that question comes, tell me the truth. That is code word for lie your pants off, whatever you have to do, you know. So she went ahead and she's like, now you promise you'll tell me. I'm like, I promise I'll, I'll tell you what I think. She's like, okay. So I take this sweet corn, I put it in my mouth, I take a big old bite. <clears throat> it was the worst sweet corn I'd ever had in my life. In fact, there was a farmer at the last church that I was pastoring out. He wanted to show me the difference between filled corn, which is what you feed all the animals, and sweet corn. And that filled corn was better than what I just bit into. I mean, it was bad. It was really bad. And she didn't say anything, so I just kept chewing more and, you know, smiling, (laughs) trying to get through it as much as I could. And then eventually, she... Just kind of was like, um, so what do you think? And I'm like, okay, if if I keep eating this, I'm going to have to eat this for the rest of the year. So I can't tell her the truth, but maybe I could just ask a question. So I asked her, I said, well, what do you think about it? <laughs> Guys, that's, that's called good relationship stuff. You know, when you come back and you say, well, what do you think? And she said not very good is it and I'm thinking oh thank you for telling you know the truth no it's not good at all and she's like well I'll get rid of it and we'll go and get something else and we'll give this to our friends and I'm like okay so if any of you got this from us then uh, we apologize but uh, as we're later that night I just started thinking to myself I'm like I broke a promise like she asked me do you promise I'm like yeah Now, that's a a funny story of a small little promise that was broken. But I personally have broken other promises in my life that have hurt other people and uh, have done some damage. And maybe you have, too. Because for me, uh, sometimes one thing that I'm really, really good at is I can break promises. I can break promises to myself. I can break promises to other people, and I can break promises to God. And sometimes I just wonder, why do I do that? Why do I do that? But I'm sure I'm probably the only person here that's ever broken a promise, right? Like I'm the, the only one. Um, have you ever broken a promise to someone? Have you, have you ever broken a promise to your spouse? Or broken a promise to your kids? Or broken a promise to your parents? Maybe to a boyfriend or a girlfriend? Maybe to uh, someone in your family. Maybe you keep your promises to your family, but you break promises at work. Have you ever had a coworker come up and say, hey, could you do this for me? And you're like, yeah, yeah, I promise I'll get that done. And then you just never did it. Put them way behind. Or your boss comes up and says, hey, can you do this? You're like, yeah, yeah, I got that. I promise I'll do that. And then you don't. And maybe sometimes it's a big, big promise. Or maybe it's a small promise. Or maybe it's a promise in between. But for me, the biggest promises that I've ever broken in my life are promises to God. The promises that I've made to Him. And then I, I backslide or I pull away from and I do my own thing. And maybe you've had this experience before where you promise God. You go, God, I promise I will never ever do that again. And then a day goes by or... A, week goes by, or a month goes by, or a year goes by, and then you break that promise. Or maybe you actually promise God, hey God, I'm going to do this thing. And then time gets around and you, you never do it. So as 2015 comes around, what I thought we would do is, or as it ends, as 2015 ends and 2016 comes around, what I thought we'd do is have mass confession. Okay? So how many are up for mass confession this morning? Anybody? Anybody? maybe a couple. Okay. So just by a show of your hands, how many of you have broken a promise to yourself or to other people or to God in the last week, just in the last week. Okay. Keep them up. If you did just keep it up, keep it up. Okay. How many of you have broken a promise to yourself or to other people or God in the last month? Okay. Last month, raise your hand. Okay. Okay. Keep them raised, keep them raised. How many of you have broken a promise to yourself, to other people, or to God in the past year? Raise your hand, raise your hand. Okay, okay, now look around. What do you notice? You're not alone. Every person in this place is a promise breaker. That's what you are. That's what I am. We have these promises, but then we don't fulfill them. This is a church full of promise breakers. In fact, if you didn't raise your hand during this little exercise, maybe because you're new or whatever, but we know the truth because what do we call those people? Liars. Liars, exactly. They're liars if you didn't raise your hand. One thing that all human beings do very well is we break promises. We break promises to ourselves. It's always strange, but I do it all the time. I'm like, and then I do it. I can't even keep a promise to myself or to other people or to God. In fact, in just a few days, tens of millions of Americans will make promises. They will make all kinds of promises. You want to hear the top five promises that people made in 2015? Here they are. These were the promises. Lose weight. Get more organized. Spend less and save more. Fall in love. Spend more time with my family. These are all promises that people are going to make in these next few days. And when it comes to promises, there is one big idea that I want you to understand this morning. And it's this, that God never breaks His promises. You and me, not so good. But God never breaks His promises. Every single promise that is in God's Word, the Bible... Is fulfilled. That's why it's so important for you guys to read it. It's not to read it just to read, but when you read, you understand God's heart and you understand the promises that he has for your life. And every promise in this book, God has kept. There are times when we pray and we sense God. And there's many times when I've prayed and I've had an open heart and he'll say, this is what I'm going to do. And he fulfills that promise. In fact, God has never broken a promise that he's made to another human being. I don't know anyone who uh, I've ever come into contact with that God has broken a promise to them. He is the ultimate promise keeper. And at the end of the celebration, what I'm going to give all of you is an opportunity to just make one promise, one word promise to God. But before we get there, I want to share with you uh, some of the truth about promises. Here's the first thing that's the truth about promises. Promises are difficult for us to keep. Promises are very, very difficult for us to keep. We saw that as everyone raised their hand. You know, in the Bible, from the very beginning to the end, what we find are human beings that come to God and they make a promise and they might keep it for a period of time, but eventually they break the promise. Adam and Eve promised not to eat the fruit, but one day they're walking by and they're like, man, that looks good. Woo, that looks scrumptious. We need to jump in and take one of those and eat it. And they kept their promise for a while, but eventually they just couldn't keep it forever and they broke their promise. Noah promised to build a boat for God. He said, hey, I'm going to build this ark. And Noah kept his promise. He did. But then he also promised that he would have a right relationship with God. And one day he goes and he gets drunk and he gets naked and he breaks his promise to God and to his family. David, old slingshot boy. This is a kid that was a shepherd, and one day he gets a slingshot, and he kills a giant named Goliath. And that happens, and everyone's like, whoa, you know, look at that. And David's like, yes, and I'm a man after God's own heart. And he does everything to fulfill the promises that he made to God, even to become king. And everything's going really, really well, until one day he sees Miss Hottie out there taking a bath, and he's like, whoa. I think what I'm going to do is break my promise. And he goes and he sleeps with her, gets her pregnant and kills her husband. This was a guy, the only guy in the Bible that was told a man after God's own heart. And he breaks his promise and the consequences for his family are gigantic. And the list goes on and on and on. Those are just a few. But the list goes on and on and on of human beings making promises to God, keeping them for a period of time, but then breaking them eventually. I think maybe the most memorable promise breaker that we find in the Bible is one of Jesus' closest friends, a guy by the name of Peter. Peter was this tough, uh, rough kind of fisherman, and uh, he was a a rock. In fact, that's what Jesus uh, called him. He said, I'm going to call you rock, and rocks don't move, rocks don't run away, rocks stay firm like a foundation. And for the most part, when Peter would uh, make a promise, he kept it. But one day, he had this huge, gigantic promise that he made. And then he broke it. You see, early on in Jesus' ministry, when Jesus was about 30 years old, he started a three-year public ministry. And he was healing people and teaching people. And in the very beginning of that, as he's selecting his disciples, he goes to all of them and he tells them that one day, every single one of you are going to abandon me and deny me, and you're going to leave me, and it's going to be at the darkest hour of my life. When I need you the most, you're going to do this. And all of them are like, no, dude, we would never do that. We would never walk away from you. We would never do that. But then, the night right before Jesus is crucified on a cross, he prepared a special meal for his best friends. Jesus was always doing wonderful good deeds for people and so he makes this meal and after the meal they go out to the garden they sing some uh, songs together and then Jesus stands up and this is what he says it'll come up on the side screen he says you're all going to feel that your world is falling apart and that it's my fault have you ever been there before has your world ever fallen apart before maybe for a A moment, maybe for a month, maybe for a year. Maybe your world right now is falling apart. And one of the first things we typically do is we we blame God. God, why did you do this? Scripture goes on. There's a scripture that says, I will strike the shepherd. The sheep will go helter skelter. In other words, Jesus is predicting that everyone is going to bail on him. All of his friends are going to bail. They're going to walk away. It goes on. But after I'm raised up, I will go ahead of you, leading the way to Galilee. Jesus is like, but hey guys, even once everyone leaves and I die, I'm going to Galilee. I'm coming back to life. And when I do, that's where I'll meet you at. Then Peter blurted out, even if everyone else is ashamed of you, when things fall to pieces, I won't be. Jesus said, don't be so sure. Today... This very night, in fact, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. Peter, you're going to break your promise. You're going to break it. But Peter blustered in protest. Even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the others said the same thing. Two times. Jesus tells the disciples that they're all going to desert him. They're going to walk away. And uh, Peter protests. He's like, there's no way. This would never happen. And so he stands up and he promises that I will never be ashamed of you. I'll never walk away. I'll never deny you. And all the disciples said the same thing. But they all broke their promises. A few years ago, uh, BK, before kids... Uh, my wife, Jennifer, and I, uh, I decided, hey, you know what? I'm going to man up, and I'm going to take her to see a Broadway show. We're going to Emmons, and uh, I'm going to make this really, really nice. And so we went to go see uh, the show Cats. Has anyone ever seen the Broadway show Cats? Okay. And so we went to uh, go see this. I only saw it once. It wasn't my favorite show. Um, if you want some shows, I could tell you some others. So that wasn't my favorite. Maybe because I'm not a huge cat lover, but if you're a cat lover, don't send me emails. I don't, you know, just don't want them. Anyways, well, anyway, uh, Jennifer, um, she uh, was so excited. She's like, ah, he's finally doing something just for me, and it's just the two of us, and we're going to go to cats. And, and so she was really looking forward to this. And the morning of cats, I, I woke up, and I looked beside her. I said, cats tonight, 7.30. 30." And uh, she's like, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. And I said, me too. And she said, now, Chris, I want you to make me a promise. I said, sure, no problem. She said, I want you to promise that we're going to be on time. And uh, I said, yeah, not a problem, I promise. In my afternoon schedule, I made sure that I got rid of some stuff so that I was going to be there. Well, there was an emergency in the church that afternoon and someone was rushed uh, to the hospital and the family called and asked me to come. And, you know, I, I felt very much that that's where I needed to go. And so uh, I went and I was there and I was with the family and it was about 645. And so I finally prayed with the family and I left and I got to the house and it was like I walked in as Clark Kent, but I walked out looking like this guy, Superman, Superman, <laughs> And I looked at Lois Lane, you know, and I'm thinking, this is going to be awesome. And we start walking out, but Lois Lane isn't as happy as the Lois Lane that was on, you know, the TV show. Because she's like, there's no way we're going to make it. No way at all. I said, it's plenty of time. It's 7.10. We're good to go. Nope, we're not going to make it. I'm like, we're going to make it. It's no problem. So I hightail as fast as I can. I only broke a few laws. Anyways, and then uh, we finally get there. And... I pulled up and I'm like, see, look, we made it in time, 725. She's like, you still have to park Superman. And I'm like, well, honey, I'm going to drop you off first. So I drop her off. And at that time, there was not very much parking that was around Emmons Auditorium. So I had to go to this parking lot. And I go to the first floor. Everything's full. I go to the second floor. Everything's full. I get to the top floor. Everything's full. Finally, I just find this spot. I don't even know if it was a parking spot. But I just pulled right into it. And I'm like, you know, we're going to make it. I promise. And I ran. You know, it's kind of like Carlos, Usain Bolt kind of combination. And I sprinted down. I'm sweating. I get there. I walk in. They've already closed the doors. It's 732. And Lois Lane is not happy. And I broke the promise. Folks, promises are difficult to keep, aren't they? It's very easy for us to, to make a promise. It's another thing to actually keep it. And sometimes, even with our best intention, like it was my, my intention to make sure that everything was going to work out, but at the end of the day, it just didn't happen. I mean, even with our best intentions, sometimes, we still break promises. Promises are easily broken. They're difficult to keep. Here's the second thing. Promises to us are often broken. So promises uh, are difficult to keep. The second thing is promises are often broken. How many of you have ever had another person promise you something and then they broke it? Just by a show of hands. Yeah, it was a lot easier on that one, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. We always remember those people, don't we, who break promises. Well, it was 1982, and my mom, my dad, and myself, we were all out in uh, our garden, and we were planting uh, vegetables and fruits uh, that we could have. Uh, We didn't have a lot of money, and so we had this big garden. Some of you were like, dude, I know you. You don't eat vegetables and fruits, but I love to plant them, okay? So we had all these little seeds. We planted all of these. And um, about six months before that, my dad had been asked to go to... Johnstown, Pennsylvania. I'm a PK, a preacher's kid. And so my dad was uh, asked to go to a church to leave from Marion, Indiana, where we were raised, and to go to John, Johnstown, Pennsylvania. And he turned it down. And I was so grateful and I was so thankful because my whole goal in life at that point, at 11 years old, was to be one of the 12 Marion Giants to play basketball for Marion now, if you're not familiar with Indiana high school basketball, Marion won three state championships all in a row. They had some phenomenal players that went on. And if you were one of the 12 that were on the team, I mean, you were like godlike uh, in this particular community. Now, since then, I've seen the light, you know, and I've come to Muncie. But at that time, uh, I did not know that. And so we're planting this garden, and I looked to my dad and I said, Dad, we're never going to leave Marion, are we? I mean, we're going to stay with our friends, we're going to hang out with them, and we're going to be with them. He's like, yeah. He said, you know, I turned down the Johnstown thing. Yeah, we're not going to do that. And I'm like, you promise? And he's like, yeah, I promise. And at that moment, there was such a great sense of relief because I'm like, wow. You know, I'm going to live my goal. I'm going to be able to be on this basketball team, and I'm going to be able to graduate with my friends, and everything's going to be really great. And then three years later... Um, A church from Anderson, Indiana called and asked him to be their pastor. And after he prayed about it, really felt like that's what God was calling him to do. And so we moved and he kept his promise to God, but he broke his promise to me. And sometimes when you're a kid at that age, you don't see everything. And it felt like my entire world had been taken away and it was destroyed. Folks. When people make promises to us, we expect them to keep them. And one of the most difficult things to experience in life is when someone breaks a promise to you. In our story today, Peter and all the disciples, they promised that we're never going to deny you. And they were always going to have Jesus' back. And just a few hours later, after they all said this, look what happens. In Luke chapter 22, the story continues. So they arrested Jesus, and they led him to the high priest's home, and Peter followed at a distance. Why do you think Peter followed at a distance? I think he followed at a distance because he was afraid. I think he was scared that he was going to get arrested just like Jesus, so it was better... To follow at a distance. It's like when you're following someone and you're driving and they're speeding, they're going really fast. They're like, I'm not going to get a ticket. I'm afraid I'm going to something's going to happen to me, so I'm going to pull back. The guards lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat around it, and Peter joined them. A servant girl noticed him in the firelight and began staring at him. Finally, she said, This man was one of Jesus' followers. Little servant girls all the time getting people in trouble. I have two that live in my house constantly getting me in trouble. But Peter denied it. Woman, he said, I don't even know him. After a while, someone else looked at him and said, you must be one of them. No, man, I am not. Peter retorted. Strike two. About an hour later, someone else insisted. Insisted. This must be one of them because he is a Galilean too. Peter has a chance to keep his promise. He has two strikes, but he's not out yet. What's he going to do? Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. Peter becomes a promise breaker. Not once, not twice, but three times. At that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Can you imagine what Peter must have felt at that point? I mean, it's not like he broke a promise to just anyone. It's the Savior of the world. And suddenly, the Lord's words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times that you even know me. Peter was so bold. He was a rock. He's like, dude, I'll never leave you. I got your back. I'm not ashamed. And the other disciples said they wouldn't deny him either. But when the going got tough, and Peter's put on the spot, and he's got to stand up for a promise that he committed three different times, he denies him. Just like what happened to Jesus, I bet some of you have experienced someone breaking a promise to you as well. In fact, the one thing that all of us have in common in this place today is this. We've all had promises broken to us. So the question becomes, when someone breaks a promise to you, how do you respond? Well, some people go off in a rage. You ever see that before? Someone breaks the promise. They're like, what? You know, and all of a sudden, they're like freaking out on somebody. They're like going off in your face. Other people, uh, you know, someone breaks the promise and they withdraw. They just kind of get away from the other person. And some people get to the point that they're just like dismiss the person all They're like, I don't want anything to do with you. You are not even worth Being a human being, I'm done with you. Now, Jesus, in this setting, he looks at Peter, the rock, who just broke his promise. And I'm sure Jesus was terribly hurt and disappointed because he was 100% human and 100% God. Now, let me say this. It is not wrong for you to be disappointed or frustrated or hurt or even angry when people break promises to you. But when a disappointment comes... You don't go off in rage. You don't withdraw. You don't dismiss the person that they're worse than a junkyard dog. But when you do that kind of thing, you've gone too far. Because this is a fact, folks. Promises are going to be made in your life and promises are going to be broken. Every single human being, you're going to experience that. In fact, there's not a human being that I know who has not had a promise broken to them. Now it doesn't mean that when that person breaks the promise that you have to trust that person all over again and you you can welcome them into your arms. But the key to any healthy relationship when promises are broken is a word that we often hate to use. And it's called forgiveness. Now some of you have been a part of our series and you're like, dude, we just did a series, three weeks on forgiveness. Can't we be done yet? No, because some of you made promises earlier in the month that you were going to forgive one person, and I wonder if you've done that. After Peter breaks his promise with Jesus, the Scripture tells us that he runs off into the courtyard and he starts weeping and crying, and Jesus then is beaten and whipped, and he is crucified between two common thieves. And at that point... It's like Peter is at the lowest of lows. But Jesus is not even done with him when you break promises. And a very cool story at the end of the Gospel of John is where Jesus makes breakfast for all the disciples. And they all come in, and, and Peter's discouraged. He's guilt-ridden. He's like, what, what's going to be on my tombstone is the biggest promise-breaker in the world, Peter. And he gets there, and he finally notices is, that it's the Lord. But there's so much shame and sh- so much guilt. But finally, breakfast is over, and Jesus pulls him aside. And three times, Jesus comes and tells him, You're forgiven, go feed my sheep. You're forgiven, go feed my sheep. You're forgiven, go feed my sheep. How many times did Peter deny Jesus? Three times. times. He wanted to go right back to him and say just as many times as you did that, it's forgiven, it's gone. He erases the broken promises and he forgives. Now most people would have thrown Peter under the bus And would have come to him and really gone off in his face. Do you remember what you did to me? You said you'd never leave me. You left. I don't want anything to do with you. You broke your promise. But Jesus refused to do this. And he takes the high road of love and forgiveness even to Peter. Because Jesus, being God's one and only son, knew that forgiveness is essential for every healthy relationship. Now again, forgive does not mean forget. Jesus probably never forgot the fact that this happened. That's why we have it in Scripture. It's a story that we, that we remember. But it also means that you need to forgive. That you may not trust the person again. Trust always has to be earned, folks. Uh, being a Christ, Christ follower does not mean that you just openly trust everybody. Trust is earned. Forgiveness is given. Trust is earned. Forgiveness is given. It may take some time, but eventually you have to forgive. And why should you forgive? Because Jesus said some other words that are really, really important. And he said this. In Matthew it says, If you refuse to, what's the next two words? Forgive others, your father will not forgive what? Your sins. If you choose not to forgive other people, Jesus says God can't forgive you. Folks, if you want God to forgive you when you break promises, then you must be a person who's willing to forgive others. So promises are very difficult for us to keep. And promises are often broken. And then here's the last thing that's the truth about promises. And it's this. Promises from God are always kept. Promises from God are never broken. Promises from God are always kept. Since the beginning of time, God has always kept his promises. He made a promise to a guy named Noah. Noah. After the world had been flooded. Do you remember what that promise was? What was it? He'll never flood it again. He said, I'll never flood the earth again. And then he says, I'm actually going to give you a promise. It's actually a promise that I'm going to make millions and millions of times. And the promise was something up in the sky. Do you remember what it was? A rainbow. And every single time that we see that rainbow, we're reminded that God keeps his promises not to flood the earth. Now, some of you woke up this morning and you wondered, "Did He is he going to break his promise? Right? But he didn't. He didn't. What about the prophets? They even come. These are the people... Between the beginning of creation and to where Jesus comes. Where these are messengers of God who speak on behalf of God. And they they come to people and they they give messages of uh, the one who will keep his promise. And there's one guy, a prophet named Isaiah. Who 700 years before Jesus is actually even on the scene. He predicts this. This is what the scripture says. The Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. God is with us. He'll take over the running of the world. His ruling authority will grow. And there'll be no limits to the wholeness he brings. So here's these group of Jewish people. They hear this message from Isaiah. And a year goes by. They're like, oh man. I don't think it's going to happen. And then five years. And then 50 years. And then 100 years. And then 200 years. And then 300 years. And 400 years. And 500 years. And 600 years. And people are like, God is a promise breaker. That's who God is. He breaks promises. And then year 700 comes from when this was taken. And Jesus is born. God sends him downstairs from heaven to earth. hang out with us all of us who are a big hot mess that's what you are you are a hot mess I'm a hot mess too but he fulfilled the promise and he came and he said well how am I going to take care of the hot mess I sent the hope of the world what's that hope going to do well what that hope then did was he said I no one does this for me no one tells me what to do I do it on my own account I will go to a cross and I will die because I am the only one like God. I will take on all the sins. I will take all of your hot mess sin and I'll put it on me so that all of you can be set free. And he keeps his promise. And why did he do that? Because he loves you. He's head over heels in love with you. He wants a, a relationship with you. And it's a relationship in which he gives good things to you. It says this from the prophet Jeremiah, so I will do all the good I have promised them. I, the Lord, have spoken. God promises good things to you. He's not a God who wants to point his finger at you and talk about how messed up you are. He reaches out with love to give you good gifts. And he wants 2016 to be the best year of your life. And the way that that year will propel and become the best year of your life is when you give more of your life to him and you begin a relationship with him. And I hope that many of you will do that today. Now you might say, well, that sounds really good that, you know, I don't have sin anymore, but that's just in the present. What about the future? Guess what? He even gives us promises for our future. It says this, my aim is to raise hopes by pointing the way to life without end. This is the life he promised long ago. And he doesn't, what's the last two words? He doesn't break promises. He says, even in the next life, I promise you life beyond this life. This life is like one grain of sand. The life in heaven are all the other grains of the sand in the world. And not just here on earth, but he says, I'll give this to you in the life without end. God promises to bring you goodness. A next life, not just 80 or 90 or 100 years here, and then it's done. Oh, great. But he says, no, forever with me. One of my favorite scriptures that gives me uh, some of the most hope around this whole thing of God keeping his promises is in Hebrews chapter 10. And it says this. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to, what's it say? Keep his promise. To keep his promise. God can be trusted to keep his promises. God never breaks his promises. But what about us? What about you and what about me? Can we be trusted To keep our promises. A couple years ago, my oldest daughter, uh, Jordan, wanted to go to a park here in town to play on the playground. And uh, we do this a lot, and I was like, yeah, no problem, we'll do that. And she's like, really, Dad? I'm like, sweetheart, we're going. I'm telling you, we are going to the park. And then all of a sudden, she stuck her hand out like this with her pinky, And I wasn't sure exactly what she was doing. And she pulled it out like that and she said, pinky promise. And I got my pinky out and all of a sudden we did that and we like had a pinky promise. And we went to the playground that day. Now, this is what's true about the bunch household. We don't make a lot of promises. Do you know why? Because promises are difficult to keep. And promises are often broken. But every once in a while, we make what we call a pinky promise. And when we make a pinky promise, no matter what, it happens. Uh, I have flown all night one time this last summer, actually. We were in South Carolina. I flew all day. I didn't get home until 2 o'clock in the morning because I had made a pinky promise to my youngest daughter that I would be there for her for kindergarten. I've driven all night before to make that promise. I'll do whatever I can. And I can honestly say this. Every pinky promise that I've ever made to my girls or to my wife, I've kept. So what I want to challenge you to do right now is to think about making a pinky promise to God. And so they're on the side screen and in your program, you should have received a card. And I thought I had it. If you need that card, like I do. Uh, just raise your... Oh, here it is. Okay. I have a card. So everybody pull this out real quick. If you don't have this card... It's going to be a long couple of minutes here, okay? This will make it go faster. You'll be like, wow, that is the fastest conclusion I've ever seen him do before, okay? So just raise your hand. Don't feel bad. Don't be like, oh, I didn't get one, or I hate this, or I never take notes. Why does he do these card things? Uh, Just get one and deal with it, okay? So on the front, it says this. I promise to pick a word for 2016 and a Bible verse to go along with it. Once I pick a, a word and verse, and you'll email it to me. Now, what in the heck am I talking about? This is your pinky promise card. What are we talking about? Well, I don't want you to make a New Year's resolution. I don't want you to write a sentence. I don't want you to think of a phrase. All I want you to do is think of one word. One word. And then... Uh, I want you to write that word on the back. Not right now, because this needs to be a word from God. So this week, I want you to take 10 minutes or 15 minutes and ask God, what is one word that I could promise to you that you could direct my life in this next year? Not a sentence, not a phrase, nothing else but one word, and then to find a scripture verse that goes along with it. Last year, you might remember, we did this uh, at the beginning of the year. We thought about one word. And uh, I spent some time in my word last year was the word trust. And uh, there was a scripture in Proverbs 3 that says, Trust in the Lord with all of your own heart. Uh, do not lean on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. And, man, God, like just one word, that's all I did. But it was a God-breathed word. Once he gave it to me, I just was like, God, man, I'm going to trust more. And I really have. And uh, we bought in a new office building. There were a lot of things that happened in the last four or five months for us to be able to do that. And I think about if, this, if that would have happened in 2014, I'm not sure I would have had the same trust. But I had trust in him. And it ratcheted up. Now, as a church, we had a word last year, too. Anybody remember what It was. Yeah, we were so committed to it last January, weren't we? Here, anyway, prayer. It was prayer. And what we did was we did all of these things. Maybe we should do prayer again because it sounds like it didn't keep. Um, But we did all of this focus just on prayer. And we had tons of things that we tried to do with prayer and people learning how to pray and connecting with prayer. And so that was it. So uh, uh, about four weeks ago, I went to a retreat center. And I prayed and fasted for two days. And one of the things I asked was, God, I need one word for me and I need a word for the church. And the word that I got for myself was the word seek, to seek. It wasn't audible. It was just in my spirit. And the scripture verse that God gave to me is in Matthew 6:33, And it says this, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Now, some of you might be sitting there right now and like, Chris, don't you seek God all the time? Like, you're the pastor, dude. Like, that's the reason I come, you know, thinking you're going to have already talked to the man upstairs. And, you know, um, well, yeah, I do seek God. But this is the thing that I've noticed. I haven't sought him first in everything. There's times in which I think I have a better idea than him. A couple of weeks I talked about the fact that I was not... Uh, I was kind of a grumpy person in November to my uh, family, to my wife and kids. And I was real nice to all of you in November because it's Thanksgiving. Pastors should be thankful. But when I'd walk into the house, I just got grumpy. And uh, all of a sudden, this seek word came to me. And then all of a sudden, I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I want to seek you first, God, before I walk into my house. So we have this little step. You might remember me talking about this a couple weeks ago. We have this little step that goes from our garage into our house. And I kneel at that step before I ever walk in. And I just go, God, I want to be the man, the husband, and the father that you want me to be as I walk in. And then I go in. And it has been amazing over this last month. You can ask my wife or my kids on this. I'm not that grumpy person because I'm trying to seek God first rather than anything else. Now, the word for the church, the word came to me was the word light. And it isn't, again, audible, but it's just a word uh, that came to me. And this is what I sensed the best I understood. That God is, is really challenging us as a church. That he wants every single person at the jar to be light to people around them. That you would light up as you're around other people whether it's a coworker, a neighbor, a friend, family member, whatever, that you become light to them. That This is what God is saying, and I'm challenging you with this. For some of you, there are people in your life that the only way that they will get to God is if you choose to be light to them. I mean, one day we'll all stand before God and I would hate for God, you know, to bring me up at all, but I'd hate for him to bring up December 27th and go, remember when bunch, the guy who loves sweet corn, he's a little messed up, but he stood up and he said, I want all of you to be like light to the world. And you were just like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And the scripture verse that came to me for this light is in Matthew 5:16. It says this, you should be a light for other people. Live so that they will see the good things you do and will praise your Father in heaven. And in a couple of weeks, what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to talk to you about a fresh start of being light to people as we enter 2016. Just think what God could do if all of us really chose to be light to all of our co-workers, to our neighbors, to our friends, to our family? What would happen to our lives, our families, our community, if we chose to be light to the world? Well, that's my word, and that's the word for the church, but the question is, what about you? What is the one word That you can ask God for and then promise to allow him to direct that in your life over this next year. Maybe the word is family. Maybe the word is forgive. Maybe the word is reconcile. Maybe the word is serving. Whatever that word is, just try to find the word and then you can go and you can Google search it. Just put serving in the Bible and something will come up. Then pick one of those verses and make that the focus of your year. Don't make a New Year's resolution. Do you realize that only 8% of all Americans keep their New Year's resolutions? You know how many make them? 45. You're not going to do it. But you can make one word that you get from God... And that you choose to say, I'm going to allow this word and this verse to direct my life. So think of your word. Take ten minutes. Sometime this week. Just you and God. And write down your word and find a scripture verse. And whatever that is, then live it out. I mean, one of the greatest gifts, one of the greatest promises you could ever give to God is to take one word. And allow that to direct you for the next year. Last year we did this. We had tons of people do it. And it's amazing to me how many lives were changed. And when you find your word, this is my promise to you. That if you send me your word, I will spend time, just like I did last year, praying for you and for that word that it would direct your life for this next year. So, there's only one thing left to do. Are you going to make the pinky promise? And what I'd like you to do is pull your card out and it says your name. And the only thing you're committing to is one word and one Bible verse. So if you're ready, and if you're not, you don't have to do it. Don't do it just because everyone else is. But if you're like, you know what? I'm going to do that. I'm going to take 10 minutes this week. I'm going to try to ask for a word. I'm going to put that word down. I'm going to find a scripture verse that you would sign your name and you would find that word. So let me give you a moment to write down your name if that's the promise you want to make in this next year. And then put this card up somewhere. Or if this card isn't your thing and you need to put lipstick on the mirror, do that. I mean, I guess if you want a tattoo, get a tattoo. Um, Whatever it is, but put it somewhere that you remember it and take some time this week to do that. Well, hey, let's stand for closing prayer. And I'm going to invite our prayer team to come up if you'd like prayer for anything. uh, They would love to pray with you. So I'm going to invite them to come up. And if you'd like prayer for anything... uh, they would love to pray for you. Let's pray. God, we come this morning and we thank you so much for the fact that you have never broken a promise. That you always keep them. And we thank you, God, that you are the great promise keeper. And God, we We love you and we want to know you more and more. And Heavenly Father, this week, we are really looking forward to just getting one word from you. And my prayer right now for every single person who made a commitment to seek for a word that God, you would as they ask that you would give them one word. And that word would guide and direct their life for this next year. And that you would provide a scripture verse, God, that would help keep them centered when life gets shaky. God, today, maybe there are some people who are here this morning who, if they were really honest about it, their word would be you. That they need you, God in their life, that they have been hurt by some promises, they've broken some promises themselves, and they just need a relationship with the one who doesn't break promises ever. And so I'm going to lead us in a prayer, and I'm going to invite everyone to pray the prayer out loud together. And I'll just repeat the prayer, and if you feel comfortable praying it, that'd be great. And if this is the first time that you've ever prayed this prayer, we'll have a Bible for you up front. No one's going to say anything to you. Just pick it up. But in one voice, I'd like us all, if you'd be open to it, to just pray out loud this prayer. Just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I am a sinner. And I need a Savior. Jesus, forgive me. Make me brand new. I believe that you died and rose again so that I could live for you. Fill me with your Spirit so I could know you, serve you, and follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own today I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine in Jesus name. Amen. Hey, let's give a hand for anyone that prayed that for the first time. And if you did come on up and get a Bible. Otherwise happy new year, everybody have a great week. Know you're loved in this place.